Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the ninth episode of Concussion Talk, Concussion Chats. Uh, my name is Taya. Concussion Chats is a podcast hosted by the McGill Students for Concussion Legacy Foundation with the help of Nick from Concussion Talk Podcast. We are dedicated to providing hope and strength to those suffering from concussions through sharing experiences. Today, I have a recording of David. David first became injured in August of 2006, following two MTBIs within 10 months. He also suffers from fibromyalgia and PTSD, among other injuries and damages. Uh, Learning to free himself from an unhelpful medical system was the best move he ever made, and it has kept him alive to this day. He works as an energy and Reiki instructor and has found many listed ways to heal the mind, brain, and spirit. He is now in his second year of podcasting and video casting for post-concussion syndrome awareness worldwide, fibromyalgia awareness, and spiritual and metaphysical podcasts called The Inward Matrix. And he lives in the north of England. Thank, thank you so much, Kaya. And, and thank you initially to uh, Emily for inviting me along. And apologies, I couldn't make it earlier, but uh, I was moving house and had no internet and so on. So yeah, thank you, Taya. Um, right, okay, so I don't really know any of you, um, but if we just go back to that, that brief bio, uh, if we go back to August 2006, I was working in um, a fairly normal job, and um, I had an accident one day. Uh, I used to live at the top of quite a large hill, and it was wet, and it was mossy, and it was dark, and I was just going down the hill like I'd done a thousand times before, and all of a sudden my feet went from underneath me and I just been six foot three as well. I kind of went down and lashed my head on the pavement and um, was just kind of, yeah, a bit of bleeding, not days. I think I might've been out for a short while and I was just so disorientated that I got up and uh, I slipped and fell again. <laughs> so it was like within the space of minutes, I was like, oh, and, First, I'd hit the occipital region of my head, the back, and then I think it hit the side of my head. So I just kind of like, 
crawled home and got my torn clothes on, got a bath and went to bed. Uh, at the time I was living alone and um, I was kind of like, well, I felt all right the next day, a bit spaced out. I thought, well, if I go to hospital here in England, they're not going to do anything for you anyway. They'll probably give you some painkillers, check you over, send you home. And um, it actually took me uh, eight years, nearly nine years of trying uh, with the National Health Service here. We have a public health system here, which you pay for in advance. But at the point of use, its intention is that it's free to use. Uh, so I tried for nearly nine years to see a neurologist or a neuropsychologist and was just refused again and again. Uh, I was injured again in 2007. Uh, and at that point, after that, I lost my job and my house um, before the last housing crash happened. So I ended in a, in a downward spiral. Uh, I ended up being homeless three times in total in the years that, that followed. And uh, yeah, at the point where I thought things couldn't get any worse, <laughs> uh, losing everything and you know losing a lot of friends, people as well. I got to the point where um, I was taking a lot of prescription medications and it was making things worse and worse. Um, I think at one point I was on about 10 different medications, including the hydrocodone, benzodiazepines, sleeping tablets, antidepressants, you name it. It was uh, quite a zombifying cocktail. <laughs> and being in the throes of that, um, I did have further concussions. I think I'd had uh, in total up until last year, I think I'd had uh, something like nine uh, concussions. I got to a point where after being homeless and having had further concussions, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and I was just totally exhausted, worn out all of the time. And I had to find housing in that supported housing system here, which is where you, you're kind of taken in off the streets and uh, you, you, you know, you're kind of guided back into leading a more independent type of life. Um, it was about 2009, where I eventually got somewhere to live. And what I noticed was the uh, people around me in, in the same type of housing, they had various health problems and things as well, nearly all chronic health issues. And um, I would regularly lose friends. So we, we, you know, people would pass away through um, either illegal drugs or uh, prescription drugs that were wrongly prescribed, all kinds of reasons. So it really, at that point, that was what instigated me to start the Facebook groups and the social media groups. I was sat on my own in my home and thinking, well, somebody's got to do something about this here. <laughs> this can't go on. The uh, government's not listening, the health services aren't listening, the people, the welfare, what we call DWP here, they're not listening to anybody with this. It, it was just like a totally hidden epidemic with people. And so I set out to start the groups on Facebook. I've been on Facebook since 2005. So uh, I started a group, so I just started by inviting family and friends and people and called it post-concussion syndrome you know, awareness, um, and people started to join and I thought, well, this, this is okay. I'll, I'll, you know, I can kind of get, you know, to at least to try to show some of my family and friends and acquaintances, you know, what, what I'm going through and maybe it'll spread a little bit. 
Um, and I just kept at it every day, you know, just trying to nurture it. And then I found other wonderful people around the world that were willing to help. Um, there's a wonderful lady who's now a dear friend, although we've never physically met, but she's in New Zealand, Gina Hubert. And she kind of co-runs a lot of the groups. We have about seven different groups. Um, and that's just a way of reaching out to people. But there are other admins in uh, Scotland and in a, a few in the USA and Europe and, and different places. And they've all kind of, uh, we've all gotten to know each other. And we went through some really, first few years were really trying because having the opinion that people can heal and, and should heal was very, very unpopular. Um, particularly with people that just simply um, wanted to stick to a certain type of allopathic um, medication treatment, you know, um, uh, allopathic drugs and things. And we would see over the months and years that those people seldom seemed to make any progress. In fact, many of them would be going backwards into worse, worsening depression, anxiety. Uh, they would gain weight. They'd have all kinds of issues. And I know, I knew what I'd been through. Um, and up until 2012, I was still, you know, quite heavily medicated and, and still still doing that. Um, so that, that group and that cause has grown into the Post-Concussion Syndrome Awareness podcast and then the other ones, the Fibromyalgia and, and Wood Matrix. Because uh, about a year or so ago, I, I would have never, ever, ever dreamt of doing podcasting or video casting. <laughs> like I said, I didn't like the sound of my voice and I was like, I was too shy anyway. I was kind of like, I don't, I don't want to put my face out there. But um, doing what I do, I kind of got, it was like a, some kind of inner calling or out of calling saying, sometimes I get this saying, you've got compelling me to do something. So I set about doing it all on my own and the first if you listen to the first two or three or four episodes, you know, I'm kind of a little bit <laughs> nervous and a little bit ten tentative and, you know, stuttering a little bit at points. But after that, I, I found that, well, this is what I was meant to be doing. And I'm sure if, if any of you do do follow podcasts that they do, uh, I am quite uh, a bit of a non-conformist, but often controversial. Um, I found <laughs> that it is... I can't help, um, my ancestry is uh, half English, half Austrian. And where I come from in the north of England, Yorkshire is, is very plain speaking people. <laughs> if we don't like something, we'll say, and the Austrian side is even worse. <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes I'll say something, you know, mouth will engage before brain engages. So I, I'm trying, I'm, I'm actively trying to get better at that daily. So that's, that's generally, um most of my journey um i've had most of the challenges i've had have been with uh the medical profession here uh, not just in the fact that they didn't know what to do with me and tried to misdiagnose me as having all kinds of different things um and you know they, they occasionally told me a few lies and uh, then bribed me when they found out i'd been I'd been lied to so it was kind of an uneasy relationship and what I wanted to share with you for, for positivity, for the sake of hope and, and, and knowing is that even going through all of that, you know, nine concussions um, and getting to kind of where I did in 2012, where I literally couldn't stand anymore. 
uh, as the fibromyalgia kicked in, I would uh, initially went months without sleeping. I would just rest my body, but I could not sleep. And that is <laughs> quite uh, an experience when you, you know, the hallucinations and things are quite bad. So at that point I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'd already got off most medications, but I was still on long-term opiate painkillers like dihydrocodone and codeine as well, which they left me on for about seven years unchecked. Uh, now I still have uh, histamine intolerance and diamine oxidase deficiency as a result of long-term opiate use. Uh, and those, that's something I'm, I'm trying to heal now with functional natural medicine and, and different healing. And I'm having success with that as I did with fibromyalgia and as I did with post-concussion syndrome, but I'm not purporting that route to anybody because this is just how I've recovered. In 2012, I said to myself, after another friend had died, I said, this is enough. I can't do this anymore. If I carry on this way, and um, at that time as well, I did self-medicate self with alcohol too. So it was, it was uncomfortable. I, I was like, well, if you carry on this way, David, you're probably gonna be following those friends uh, to the grave as well. And that was a, the moment when it was like, well, okay. I don't advocate going cold turkey off of anything, uh, but I'd been on a, a medium kind of, well, medium to high dose of benzodiazepines, um, diazepam which nobody told me, not one single doctor told me that it's harder to get off of diazepam and benzodiazepines than it is to get off heroin. <laughs> so they didn't tell me this before I started. You just like, you know, come take the sweeties, off you go, bye-bye. Come back every couple of weeks for more. So yeah, I, I did go cold turkey, which was, you know, that's just my, my way of doing it. Like I say, I don't advocate that. And that took about 10 weeks of hiding indoors, sweating, shaking, uh, kind of all kinds of unpleasant stuff. Um, but I did make it through the other side. And following that, like I said, uh, like Tyra introduced me and she said uh, that I teach Reiki healing. I've, I've done that for about 20 years. That's a natural system of healing, uh, which came back to us from Japan. Uh, but it's a self healing system whereby you transmit photonic light energy particles or chi, as they call it in the East or prana in India. You use this to help to heal yourself through your emotions, uh, your psyche, and also for your body as well. That for me, that saved me greatly. And at that same time, I had to start looking for alternatives because I still would suffer with some depression and anxiety and a lot of pain and, and uh, you know, my body was kind of been through a few years of hell. So I found a, a Bowen technique therapist by accident. Uh, I attended a, a meeting similar to this, uh, quite near to here for fibromyalgia uh, awareness. And this lady, um, Dr. Merrick was giving a talk. And at the end of the talk, she said, I'm looking for a kind of people with fibromyalgia to work on because I've not worked with them before. So she needed guinea pigs in an essence. My hand went straight up <laughs> and bless her. She's still a dear friend to this day. I love it a bit. She's, she's so kind to me. And she said, well, I'll treat you at like half the normal cost because obviously I was on, you know, welfare, you know, less than a hundred pounds a week, which is, you know, I don't know how much, what that is, and probably about 180 Canadian dollars or less. I don't know, something like that. 
And so she gave me my life back in the space of several months of treatment and every treatment was heavy and I would be knocked out and just unable to do anything for two or three days afterwards. It's a very simple procedure, Bowen, but it is very powerful, or it was for me. And from being literally, I was, I was before that, I was a drugged and drunk cabbage for a while. I've just like had no hope left in life. Didn't have pretty much anything left to my name after having, you know, kind of a good career, a good house, good job, and you know, holidays and all that stuff. I was kind of down at the at the bottom. And um, yeah, after having had that course, I also looked more into different types of healing and I still to this day only use natural medicines, uh, which I've tested and trial and error over many, many, many years. And yeah, following that 2012, I found that within a few months, I was able to go running again, go back to the gym, work out. Um, I was able to read again. I'm a massive bibliophile. I have my apartment here. I've got like three or four bookcases, probably about five, 600 books on every crazy subject you can imagine, known to a woman and mankind. And uh, I found that for this first few years, I could pick up a book, I could look at it and squint at it for a while. And then after about five minutes, I'd have to put it down because it just wouldn't go in. My brain couldn't process it. And that, that was kind of a bit soul destroying. So yeah, after that, I could read books again. I could do a lot more things. Um, and then I got a, a few lucky breaks. I managed to move to a better area in 2013. Uh, and then following that, uh, the year later, um, how my son was born. <laughs> Arlo, he's just gone six. And that was, I'd never been a father before. And I was then aged 40 by then. And I was like, nah, you've missed your chance. <laughs> And um, yeah, he's been a massive blessing in my life. Um, and it, it was just like something that I, I never, ever thought would be possible. Um, so he's my inspiration a lot of the time, uh, most of the time, all of the time. Um, and yeah, now I worked the last year or two to, uh, I, I'd learned how to heal concussions in myself within a week or two. Uh, and I had one, I think, last March or so, and I had two in one weekend on the, the uh, ceiling beam. I smacked the top of my head. Um, I literally, you know, when you, they say you see stars, I saw stars, and I, I did that twice in one weekend. And uh, then I thought, well, I know what to do now. I've got my own protocol, and I was well again within a week or so. I had no signs of concussion. So... It's one of those things that I'd, I'd kind of set out to prove to myself what I wanted to prove to myself that, um, you know, there is there are many, many different ways to do this. And I think if you, if you only take one thing from, from my talk today, that would be that um, using a variance of means uh, safely and holistically, um, it can only be a good thing. I do have a favorite saying, which is not necessarily just aimed at allopathic medicine. Um, you know, they only have a couple of tools really. And it's an old Japanese saying. It says that when the only tool you possess is a hammer, everything suddenly begins to look like a nail. And um, to me, that often sums up the allopathic approach uh, because as with medications, 
the only other two tools really that are used are radiation for cancers and things and the surgery. And you can't have your brain operated on. You don't need chemotherapy. So that leaves a singular option. Now, I would never say that allopathic med medications are wrong to use, but like the leading experts have always said, with post-concussion syndrome, they are potentially harmful and dangerous if used beyond the very short term. And of course, a lot of us have other uh, issues, chronic illness issues and things as well. So they may always be just something that we have to use. Um, I feel myself so lucky uh, that I've been able to get away from that um, and, and to find alternatives. But that was my path. And I'm sure each and every one of you, if I sat and talked to you individually and, and listened to your stories, um, you would see parallels and they would see, you would see similar things that we'd all been through. And to give you hope, I'm kind of, in a way, people say I'm, I'm kind of living proof of that you can, you can heal and recover to a massive extent. Yes, there will always be a few little things that I'm dealing with, a bit of asphasia, a bit of ataxia, but I've learned not to take that personally like I used to do. So sometimes if I'm walking down the street and I see a sign on a bus or a shop, my brain reads it completely differently. <laughs> you know, and it's actually what the brain comes out with. I have to check like a couple, two or three times what the brain actually comes out with now, it's funny stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, for instance, there was a shop over the road where I used to live and it was a hardware shop, York, Yorkshire Paints, they sold paints and stuff. And the first time I walked past, my brain just said, Yorkie Pants. <laughs> it's like, Yorkie Pants? So I looked back again, it was like, no, it's Yorkshire Paints. <laughs> so so I've, I've learned that, yeah, you you have to you have to you have to roll with it and go with that and um you know be, be gentle with yourself be kind to yourself uh self-care is is the biggest and the most important thing uh that i'm sure you're all all familiar with um and doing so to nurture yourself is is, is the, the the key importance so whether it's like i do i wake up uh i will I'll do some meditation, I'll have some quiet time, or I'll, and, and then I'll use, if I need something, I'll use, I've got a Rife machine here, which is a, a healing device, I'll use that if I've got any ailments and things. Uh, I use mantras, I use, I'll, I'll go and walk in nature, I'll just do anything regularly, an exercise that attunes me, pro, uh, definitely attunes me back to, to how I should be. Uh, it's like a baseline for me now, you know, diet, I use and have used for many years regular fasting, just water fasting. That'd be, I know people get horrified when I talk about this, but that would be water only for seven, 14 or 21 days, no food. So it's like, <laughs> you can't do that, <laughs> but you, you can. And it is a spiritual practice and it is exceptionally helpful um, in many ways, both physically, spiritually and so on. But of course, you do need the right information and guidance for that. Um, but like I say, I've been doing that for about 20 years anyway. Um, so I just find now uh, it's, it's really good to do fast every so often. Um, and now, um, as this time has come on all of us, and we're all kind of left sat at home or, or kind of in, uh, you know, a bit of 
Well, a lot of uncertainty and the malady of the year uh, and what, what's to come. It is a point where we, we can kind of look ahead. Um, sorry, I just nearly lost my train of thought with the screen flashing then, but I know it's five minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, we could look ahead and we can think about, you know, in this time where we've got the time to do this. And uh, yeah, going back to, I, I've been doing quite a few podcasts for all three different channels that I have. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of that is just um, going out to people right now. In the first shutdown, we had people weren't so keen to podcast and do things, but now it seems that people have uh, you know, integrated a lot of issues and are quite more open and willing to talk. So for instance, you know, um, last night I had a, a wonderful two and three quarter hour uh, chat with Dr. Ralph Cornwell uh, from Boston. He, he, he doesn't like to say who he works for. It just, it's, um, it, 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 we're just allowed to say Ivy League. Um, a picture of a figure of a, a key and you probably get it. Uh, and there was Chris Ledgerwood from Seattle um, and uh, Rob Stalker from New Jersey. And they're, they're both uh, actively involved in helping lacrosse, football, hockey players, not just with the helmet issue, but uh, also with athlete training and neck strengthening uh, into the prevention of post-concussion syndrome. You know, you can actually prevent it by strength training your neck. So yeah, that, this is a type of thing that I hope by having these com conversation, conversations and discussions, and the great thing with the podcast or videocast is you can stop it and go back to it later. By having these hard conversations and being as open and necessarily controversial, not just controversial for the sake of being controversial, then we can not only connect people, so there's three people, two whom previously knew each other that never met, and another one uh, on opposite sides of North America who are now connected together. And all three of them are in similar areas. For most of it, I was just sat there just like, watch and learn, David. <laughs> I, um, and they're now connected permanently through doing that. So I'm gonna keep this up and, um, I'm always happy to to uh, to share and converse and, and kind of join with you. Emily's been really kind to me uh, to la allow me to do this and to talk to you as well. And I've really, really enjoyed it today. Um, so thank you all, um, you know, for, for turning up and for listening as well. And um, I think that's about it, really. <laughs> today, I have Emily, who's also part of McGill Students for Concussion Legacy Foundation, and Nick from Concussion Talk Podcast joining me. Um, thanks for the awesome talk, David. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Emily, go ahead. For I think, I just... Yeah, I think it was really interesting. Um, I do think one of the things that I've enjoyed about um, being a part of this is learning about all these different ways that people have recovered and different um, different paths and journeys that people have taken um, and are, you know, continuously on. Um, you know, like last week we heard a lot about um, – Kathy talking about using trying to figure out how to navigate the medical system and figuring out that she had to go to very specific types of doctors um, 
as well as she touched on these like less advertised sides of medicine including like the functional neurologist who isn't you know doesn't have a has a has a degree in chiropractic not necessarily medical um it is medical but you know what i mean it's not like it's not it's not md yeah it's not md yes um but they're still very highly trained and then this week david was talking a lot about um reiki and other uh forms alternative medicine outside of western medicine allopathic medicine is western medicine um so yeah i just i think it's really really incredible all these different ways that people um can get better yeah no i i agree i agree with that that that's just doing this and doing my, my podcast and other podcasts it's interesting to find out see hear all these other people's experience with my experience with with the med, with allopathic medicine, as he calls it, which I had to look it up. Honestly, I had to look up what allopathic meant. But uh, anyway, uh, I that was my experience, and it seemed to I mean seemed to work well for me. But I mean, every other person I've not every other person, but a lot of people have uh, said that you know that the the non the non Western medicines are and mm-hmm. the the natural osteopathic or like Reiki or whatever else. Uh, different different things which which actually Emily and I were briefly discussing and think hey you were getting a bit upset with us for not waiting till the no, podcast <laughs> same for uh, the podcast but yeah, yeah but yeah that we had to kind of uh, be a bit more open to a different different not just necessarily science based medicines mm-hmm. that says in, on Google frankly yeah um something else that david had mentioned was that like allopathic medicine um and pcs are potentially harmful and dangerous um if it's used like beyond the short term and i mean even just that makes that makes sense really that's why i heard a lot lot of this like people saying they've had problems with like drug and alcohol and and, uh and prescription drug abuse and stuff so yeah and he shared um, about, like, his experience with um, medications that he'd been put on and, like, um, how he struggled with that. And uh, I think that's something that maybe needs to be – well, not maybe, but, like, definitely needs to be uh, talked Examined. about more. Yeah. And, yeah, and maybe doctors be more cautious about prescribing. Go for it, Em. Yeah, so I, I think in a big thing that – I think a big undertone of um, his talk going off what you're saying, Taya, is this like concept of like holistic medicine mm-hmm. that, you know, they were focused on. I, what, did he say why he was on a benzodiazepine? Uh, fibromyalgia, probably. Probably yeah. fibromyalgia. I but can't re- no, I, I don't. I missed, I missed a lot of it. So. There was, but he was just on a bunch of, um, different thing, different things, and it took yeah, a long time. Took a long time to see a neurologist. Yeah, something that, yeah, and even then, if you see a neurologist, you hope it's somebody who knows about it, right? Yeah, yeah. The, I saw, I saw multiple neurologists before I got help, um, and I've seen it was the same thing with the narcolepsy. Like I saw multiple people before I really got the help and listened to. But what I was trying to tie this back into is I am in this medical anthropology class and yes. my TA 
was so kind to send me some papers about traumatic brain injury, post-concussion syndrome, and how it's handled in Western medicine, or allopathic medicine, or biomedicine, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I haven't gotten to read them yet, so I'll have to get back to you guys on it. (laughs) You know, we were reading these other papers, and so I emailed my TA about it, because I was like, wow, this just really describes how when we're dealing with PCS, you're going to, like, all these individualized doctors, but not really getting this holistic view, like what Kathy was talking about last week and how TBI and post-concussion syndrome don't necessarily like fit very well into this model of Western medicine that we have. Um, And I will have to get back to you guys more about that. Send me those. I'll send them too. Yeah, no, those two two things, that kind of makes sense because, I mean, like like you said, like the off-path medicine seems to be more just kind of segment to segment that is in like this is for your guts and this is for your your limbs and this is for your you know heart like mm-hmm. vacation for a separate but whereas like you know brain injury obviously affects everything so there's like it's hard to really say like no this is for your because you're not you know you're you're feeling nauseous so we'll give you some of your stomach but you're feeling nauseous because you're hitting the head and you're like and you're and you're not and someone else is not working like you're your whole rhythm is out of is out of whack, so it's really hard to pinpoint one exact one exact region that you should, that you should focus on instead yeah, of and the I whole think, body. Yeah, and I think it's important one that this was you know this was David's um, experience, right? Um, and he just really went. Did he's ended up off medications, right? And. Um, <clears throat> I do think it's important that we acknowledge that like some people go on medication and that really helps them. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's like for me, like I'm on medication for the bipolar, which they say is was triggered from the concussions and for narcolepsy. And I went on them, you know, years after the injury, but those have been really, really important for me to be able to continue my recovery. And I've been able to find this balance between alternative medicine and um, Western medicine, like I've like very much dug into spirituality and meditation. And that's, that's a daily practice for me. I meditated right before this, actually. It's really good. I'm getting better at it, guys. (laughs) I can't do it. It didn't even feel like, oh, yo, it didn't even feel like 10 minutes today. I was so shook when my timer went off. I was like, what? Ways. I still can't but I agree with you Emily with the whole like some people it works some people it doesn't and like finding that balance like I'm the same as you where um I am on certain medications and like that's totally fine too um and then some people don't take medication like that's totally fine too it's all about kind of like finding what works for you um and for David like going off of everything um and finding these uh alternative um medicines were helpful for him yeah, yeah. And, he, and he brought up some interesting points sorry nick no no i thought this yeah like he said <laughs> like talking about the benzodiazepines like those are really addicted mm-hmm. and like physiologically you get really dependent on them and these you know doctors didn't tell him that which I think is, oh, yeah, which, I mean, they put me on Seroquel um, several months ago. 
Yeah, and that, for me, some people apparently do well on it, was with some of the roughest four days of my life. And I went through withdrawal after four yeah. days. I was on a, a low dose for four days, and I had two days of cold sweats and nausea and sick. Like, it was yeah. withdrawal. I had, and then I'm Googling it, and, like, people don't get off that medication well. I'm really now too, and that. There was even someone in the group that um, experienced the same thing as David with the benzodiazepine, and the same as you with the Seroquel. So, it oh, is Seroquel, God, that's the Seroquel. I got Seroquel. It's a yeah, it's an antipsychotic, and I, you know, I'd gotten clean and sober, and they put me on Seroquel, and then it, it felt like I was on drugs. Yeah, I remember you me being like what like this is it feels like I'm on drugs what was the point like, like I might as well just go back to my own medication <laughs> yeah, my own drugs <laughs> um, so I, I think you know it's tricky um, and you know you want to be careful with Google right yes so, like, it's apparently, apparently you do doctor, like ask them about these sorts of things and I always or have someone with um, you that will ask those things, too. Yeah, if you're hesitant. Or, you know, try and find, you know, these Facebook and concussion, su Facebook concussion support groups, whatever. Ask if other people have been on these, if you're feeling weird about it, because, yeah, I'm sure glad I got off that stuff. That would have yeah. been nasty. So, I think I got some interesting points. Yes, yeah, I, 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 I know a lot of people talking about you know drugs they've been there, and Bill always asks me how many what drugs you on, but I've never been prescribed a drug for my brain injury, except for like mm -hmm. well one time before I went back to university, we tried this this drug to help my like my my left side, tried the uh, Parkinson's drug, if it was mm -hmm. called, but it was it was it was just trying it. My neurologist said like it's not gonna hurt, just try it for. We'll try it for three months and then yeah. you just, you just take it just took once once a day and like if it, if it helps them we can keep it on then it's great but if not then you can just quit and there's no side effects yeah, and it didn't work help. so i just so i just stopped and uh that was some drug that i everyone's on that was for you know three months and uh and yeah other than that i've just been like no, never had any drugs to speak of so yeah so i mean like i can't really relate to a lot of this stuff but no for sure um but like i think it's also just super important for like because i know a lot of people don't want to be on medication and a lot of people um um just always kind of think about like oh you're going to be on that forever and blah 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 um or people feel ashamed that they're on medication but they shouldn't because if that is what helps them function and yeah and that's what works for them. And that's totally fine. Like I, I don't know. I used to be embarrassed and like not want to tell people that. I mean, I still don't like just openly be like, "Hey, everyone, guess." <laughs> like, you just say you just said it on a podcast, so it's, it's not like a game. Yeah, cats out of the bag now. That's fine, whatever. <laughs> um, but I mean, like if I meet someone on the street, I'm not like, "Guess what? My name's Cat. <laughs> like this is what I'm on." Like no, but like I'm not embarrassed. Like that would be awkward though. And it's it's what helps me um and so if that's what helps someone then like people shouldn't be ashamed of that and other people also shouldn't push their whole oh it's bad for you down their throats um people have different things that work for them and everyone needs to 
be cool with that. Yeah, and I yeah. think David did a good job saying, like, like stating his opinions. He felt yeah. that he wasn't helped in the Western or allopathic medicine, and he had, you know, and he said the Japanese quote, he was reading books, and he said that Japanese quote, uh, if, all, if the only tool you have is a hammer, then everything starts to look like a nail. Yeah, I was, I was like, just going to bring that up. <laughs> I, I love, love these quotes that. we're getting. That was good. Um, yeah. And, yeah, Taya, I think I used to be, I was like that for so long with medication. Yeah. Uh, like, when they had me on certain medication for the ADHD years ago, I, I just wouldn't take it or I would use it wrong. Like, I was abusing it without really realizing it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, they never, it didn't cross my mind for years that maybe I didn't like it so much. Because it wasn't right for me. Yeah. And finally, I tried the Vivant, and Taya knows that was a game changer. Oh my gosh, she became the most narcissistic person <laughs> ever. She was awake for the first time since I'd known her, and it was just this whole new person. It was like it was mind blowing. <laughs> but yeah. that's like you just need to. Were, try were you guys roommates? No, we. Uh, we're in the same year of university and we were in a lot of the same classes. So we got close in our second year. We met in first year, didn't really talk much. And then second year we got close. Okay. Yeah. So Taya told me when I was really narcoleptic. Falling <laughs> all the time. I used to there send was... her home, walk her home. Yeah. And then I started on this medication and, and it's part of the reason I got clean and sober because, you know, I, I had something that worked for me and I think, you know, it's important to keep pushing through until you find something that works for you, just like David said. And the yeah. other thing I wanted to bring up real quick is, and he said this, that he didn't advocate for going cold turkey. Yes. That is yeah. so, so important to tell your doctors. And I did the same thing with the Seroquel. I emailed my doctor and told him, you know, I don't think I can be on this. And he told me I could just stop taking it. He didn't tell me I was going to go through withdrawals because I'm sure he just didn't realize that. But um, it is, you just, you never, depending on what you're taking, you have to be so, 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 so careful um, yeah. going off of it. It's really important to talk to your doctor before. Yeah, and, and talk to your doctor. Don't, don't just, and talk to your doctor. Don't just Google and stop taking, yeah. stop taking benzodiazepine. What, how will I do? And then someone will be like, oh, just quit or, oh, just drink I'm 10 sure. glasses of water every hour or something like that. Yeah, yeah you can, you can anything you're taking though it doesn't even need to be um benzodiazepines um like i mean i took it upon myself to stop my antidepressants in i think it was first year and then i started myself back on them sometime later and like that was a horrible experience too and so any medication that you're on that you're prescribed you need to talk to your doctor yeah and if you feel like your doctor isn't hearing you doesn't want you to go find a just don't stop taking it. Find a new doctor. Yeah. Talk to them about it. I went through a few different doctors trying to figure out the bipolar with the narcolepsy and trying to, my body's very sensitive, so I have to start very low. So this isn't built up um, for anything. Um, but yeah, it's all planned with the doctor. So. Yes, that's important. Yeah. And. There's nothing wrong with being on medication if you need it, but yeah, 
But if you're gonna if you're gonna, if you're gonna stop, then then yeah, just talk to somebody first. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it alone. Don't do it on your own agenda. You should discuss it with a professional. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So important. Um, but yeah, I think the Reiki thing is really really interesting and something that I want to read more about. Um, even as a science person, I do get that knee jerk reaction of like, Oh, this seems so not scientifically supported, but yeah. it, it helps people. And I think there's power in that. Yeah. And the fact that it helps people, there's something about it that means it does work. Um, even if it's just you believing in it, um, it's just placebo. That's still, helping so that's all that matters really at the end of the day mm-hmm. all right i um, concur <laughs> I, <laughs> all right I love it. <laughs> thanks again uh to david for the awesome talk um and his vulnerability um and thank you to nick for helping us do this podcast mm-hmm. we'll have a new podcast episode monday morning Our upcoming podcast can be found on concussiontalk.com, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Um, And you can find more information about the group on concussionmtl.com. Our peer-to-peer group is free and open to everyone. And we hold three weekly meetings on Zoom, which will be linked in the description. Thanks for listening. HeadCheck Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada who rely on HeadCheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit HeadCheckHealth.com for more. The music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound. W www.bensound.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.